Well, I want to welcome you to Grace. For those who don't know me, my name is Derek, and we're in the middle of a series called Follow Me, where we are taking a look at those two words that Jesus said, and uh, practically speaking, we're trying to unpack what does it look like to follow Jesus? If we would have lived 2,000 years ago, what would we have been doing as followers of Jesus. So two weeks ago, we talked about um, one of Jesus' core habits was praying and how his disciples were certainly doing a lot of praying. Then last week, we, looked, we took an in-depth look at those 12 disciples and Jesus' very real, authentic, and messy community group and uh, talked about the power of community. And one of the things that, that I was thinking about is uh, those disciples, like if we lived 2,000 years ago and Jesus looked at us and said, hey, come follow me, like very early on in Jesus' ministry, um, what, what would have been going through our minds at that point? Now, I think we would have been thinking, okay, well, that probably means we're signing up to do a lot of praying, and it probably means that he's calling us into some sort of intentional, authentic community. I think those two things would have been fairly well known, but what we're going to talk about today, I'm not sure that we would have really realized the implications of, um, of the, the thing that, that Jesus is after today in terms of following him. Because if you think about it, um, when those disciples were called by Jesus and he said, follow me, here's what they knew about Jesus early on in his ministry. They knew that he'd been going around teaching about the kingdom of God and where he taught people were left awestruck. They were jaw-dropped over the things that he taught and how he spoke with such authority. Um, They saw him healing people and casting out demons. I don't even know what that looked like. I wish I could have been there to see that. But the, the kinds of things that Jesus was doing was just staggering. They saw crowds of people becoming so enamored with him that they were dropping things and they were following him wherever he went. And so what you see in Jesus is this picture of greatness, They didn't understand who Jesus was, but man, this is a great figure. This this rabbi, this prophet, we don't even know what he is, but man, this is greatness. We want to follow greatness because those disciples, just like us, we want to be a part of something great, don't we? We want to be a part of something great. We long for greatness in our lives. I know when I was just starting college at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, I longed for greatness. And it wasn't greatness in terms of academics, much to my parents' chagrin. And it wasn't greatness with sports. But as an 18-year-old male, what do you think I longed for greatness in? (laughs) Girls, thank you, somebody with the courage to say it. I longed for greatness with girls. And uh, my, my bar wasn't that high in terms of how I measured greatness back then. Um, in fact, that, that term ladies' man, like, I don't know what the opposite term is of the ladies' man, but like that would really, that, whatever that term is, that would have defined my middle school and high school years. And so when I, when I started college, I made a decision. I was going to reinvent myself. And so I had some, some buddies in my freshman dorm, and, um, and I kind of told them my plan. And they said, well, first of all, man, you got to get rid of those clothes that you're wearing, okay? So they changed my clothes. They, they let me borrow their clothes. They changed my look, my style, and my mentality. They said, you are the man. You are the man. You're the man. You've got to get that into your head, okay? Confidence. You go out there and ask some girls out. So 
So I did. My new look, my new style, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I, I go and I, uh, I remember asking this one girl out. Her name was Jamie. And she was way out of my league, like way out of my league. But I, um, I asked her out, and we were talking for a little bit, and then I, I asked her on a date, and she said yes. Now, for those of you who um, you know, went to college or, or remember college, when you go on a date in college, it's very interesting, because you don't go out to dinner. That's not something that you really do, right? Because uh, a college date is something that doesn't involve any money whatsoever. That's, that's, that's a date in college. So you're a little bit limited in what you can do. And most of the time, a date is just like hanging out. Like that's, you just go somewhere and you hang out. But I had this great idea. There was this, um, there was this part of uh, Miami's campus. It was called Western Campus. And um, it was for like architecture majors. And so it was really small and kind of niche um, part, of, part of campus. And people generally didn't go down there. So it was quiet. It was beautiful. It was the most beautiful part of campus nobody ever went to. And there was this pond, and I got a picture of it. There was this pond where there were a couple of swans that had been, I think, believe they'd been donated to the university. And, uh, and so I thought, man, this is, what a great setting that is for a date. We'll walk down to the pond, and that'll be our date. And so we, we go down there, and the date is going beautifully. We go down to the pond, and I remember we were right at the edge of the water, like on the back side of the pond, right back there in the back of that photo. And we're standing about as close as you can stand to the water. The water kind of le- leapt right up to the, to the bank. And I remember I was throwing something in the water, little sticks or skipping stones. Or I don't remember what I was doing. But um, as I'm doing this, the swans who are all the way at the backside of this vast pond, I guess that they thought maybe I was throwing food. And so the swans, they start like making their way over and then they start like coming right for us. And it was awesome. Now the date is getting better. Because, you know, you got these beautiful swans, and they're, they're coming right up to us. So now it's, it's, I'm like, I've set the mood perfectly. This could not be any better. And I'm just assuming that when the swans get to that, I don't know, 20 feet or so away, that, that, that safe, comfortable distance that wild animals will stay away from people, um, that they'll just stay at that distance and just kind of hover around and see what's going on. Not these swans. No, 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 no. These swans actually had a, a reputation. They were bad swans, uh, angry swans. I did not know this at the time. I have since, I, I'm very well versed in, in this now. But um, so we're standing, we're standing at the bank and the swans break into that territory where you're like, well, this is getting a little close. And they're coming right for us. There's one in particular that's leading the way. And, um, and it, it comes right up like, like 10 feet, five feet. And now it's right up near us. Well, my date, Jamie, she's already like backed up because she's a lot smarter than me. So she, she had backed up. I don't do well in, in a lot of emergency situations. So, so what, what happens to me a lot of times, and there's some of you, uh, don't, don't say anything, but you know who you are, who when you get in those emergency situations, your instinct is just to freeze and do nothing. You know, like you just, you panic and you do nothing. So I'm just kind of frozen there like, oh my gosh, this swan is like coming right up to me. And I heard that like a swan can break your arm or something. Have you guys heard that? They're like really strong Animals. I'm trying to pump up the story a little bit. I think some, some, you've heard this. Somebody's heard this, right? They can hurt you. They're like vicious. No, it's a wimpy swan. Whatever. All right, so the swan's coming up, and now it's like five feet, three feet, and the swan literally comes up and like puts its beak right up on my shoe and takes a, like takes a peck at my shoe. I'm like, whoa! So I take a step back 
the swan keeps coming, starts to come out of the water at me and takes and gets me on the shin, nips me on the shin. I'm like, so I back up. This is all happening in a, a mil, you know, milliseconds. But I, I take another step back. And as I do, I catch my foot on a root behind me. Now my date, my date, the beauty of this is my date, that's way out of my league, has already backed way up, okay? And she's watching all this now unfold. <laughs> so just got to remember that because that's the beautiful part of the story. So I back up, I start to catch my foot on this root and I feel myself going back. So I had this sweatshirt that was like draped around my neck and my shoulders. As I'm falling back, this is how an amazing of an athlete I am, Okay. I, I managed to, as I'm falling back, I throw the sweatshirt in total self-defense, like panic, and I throw it, and I'm falling back, and I completely just go back into this like swampy mud kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm back like this. I managed to get the sweatshirt onto the head of this swan. Thank God, okay? And, um, and then I, I, I quickly get up, and the swan has shaken the sweatshirt off, and it's like poised to come at me. So I just, I run, and, and my date is actually up on, there was like a, a couple of high steps, and she should get up to high ground. And then I'm just running for my life as my date is dying laughing <laughs> over this whole thing. Well, it won't surprise you to know that there was no second date for me and this girl, Jamie. Um, that, was, that was my attempt at greatness, Okay. It really was. But, but the bottom line is we all long for greatness. We may not get there, but we all long to be part of something great. And certainly the disciples did. We talked about this last week. For those of you who are here or you listened online, um, they, they, there were a few things the disciples lacked. And one of the things they lacked, we talked about last week, was humility. They, they actually were arguing. We looked at this verse last week uh, from Luke's account, verse 22 um, or chapter 22, verse 24, Luke writes, a dispute also arose among them, this is the 12 disciples, as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And we have several of the gospel writers who write different accounts uh, who captured Jesus' response to this argument. And I, I really like uh, Mark's response. This is a little more concise and to the point. And this is how he captures it in chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. So they're arguing over who is the greatest. And Jesus says, Jesus called them together. And he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, he's making a reference to himself there, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is doing in that moment with these disciples is he is explaining to them, look, the world has a certain way that it measures greatness. And that is not at all the way I measure greatness. Not at all. And he could have not been more true 2,000 years ago, and he could still not be more true today, right? Nothing's really changed the way the world measures greatness. How many people are serving you? How popular you are? 
how much status you have, how much money you have, how many people want to come alongside you and serve you, how much power and authority do you have? And Jesus said, nope, that's not greatness. That's not how you measure it at all. The measure of greatness is not being served, but it is serving. It's serving others. It's serving the world. What's crazy to me is the disciples had completely lost sight of this, you guys. Think about this for a second. So Jesus' entire life, his whole ministry, was really about one thing, serving. Serving everybody he came in contact with. That was his whole mission. He came to live and he came to die and it was all to serve this world. And somehow, in the midst of the miracles, in the midst of the awesome teachings, in the midst of the crowds, in the midst of all the things that were happening, the disciples got caught up in the greatness and they forgot that true greatness is measured by service. And you would hope that after Jesus said this, that that set them straight. But what I love about those disciples, we talked a lot about this last week, they make you feel so good (laughs) about your own journey with Jesus because they obviously were not getting the message because let's fast forward a little bit to Jesus' final meal with his disciples before he's taken to the cross. We find this in in, uh, John's gospel account, chapter 13, starting in verse 4. So he's having a meal with his 12 disciples. And it says that he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, some of you are like, what in the world was he doing? Why is he washing his disciples' feet? Well, you got to remember this is 2,000 years ago, so we don't have any sort of good footwear where people were either bare feet or they were in some sort of sandals. We don't have any sort of paved roads or sidewalks, so people are walking around on dirt roads. And um, so you can imagine how dirty your feet would get. Walking was, was really the, the, the main way of transportation. So when you would come into a house, you would be prepared to eat a meal, your feet would stink. And so you'd need to get those nasty feet taken care of and and washed up and ready for for everybody to be able to eat in close confines. And so here was the deal. You come into the house and whoever was in the most subservient position, whoever was in the lowliest position in that household or among that group, they would do the foot washing. So if there was like a servant in the house, you better believe that was the servant's job. Whoever was at the lowest position would wash the feet. And here we have Jesus washing those feet. We skip down a few verses to verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. He's making sure. Guys, tune in. He's saying, disciples, come on. Do you understand? Here's a teachable moment. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And here's the verse I want us to key in on. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
And obviously I wasn't there in that room at that time. But when Jesus said those words, I bet the disciples freaked out. Probably not externally, but internally. They were freaking out. And the reason they were freaking out is because the stakes, the implications of what Jesus just did and he has just spelled out are so incredibly high. Because here's the deal. Jesus was the greatest. He was awesome among them. He was a teacher. He was the Lord. He could do stuff no one else could do. And if he, the greatest, could stoop to that level, could go and do the lowliest, most menial, most disgusting act of service, if he could humble himself like that, then there was nothing his followers couldn't do. There was no way that anybody could object. That's why Peter, you know, we skipped a few verses there in between. Peter's objecting like crazy to Jesus. One, probably because he's like, there's no way, you know, I'm worthy for Jesus to wash my feet. I get that. But also probably Peter's already thinking about the implications. If he does this for me, oh man. So he's now saying, look, look what I did. So nothing is beneath you. You can no longer say, oh man, that's just, there's no way I can do that. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. What Jesus is reminding the disciples, and he's reminding all of us who would consider ourselves followers of Jesus to this day, is that Jesus' ultimate purpose in coming to this earth was to serve. And thus, as his followers, our purpose on this earth is to serve. It's to serve one another, And it's to serve this world. And just in case we were wondering, well, like, what kind of service are we really talking about here, Jesus? You know, because I'm happy to help out here and there, you know, when it's convenient for me. I'm happy to serve in one of those nice high-profile situations. Like, I'll distribute the bread at the feeding of the 5,000. That looks kind of cool. But not the foot-washing thing. Come on, Jesus, don't do that. What Jesus is reminding us here is that there's no service opportunity that's beneath you or beyond you. That ultimately, that's the whole point. To follow Jesus is to serve. To follow is to serve. It's the essence of it. Not every now and then. And this is where it gets really challenging. And some of you are like, this is not even possible. But just bear with me. It's not an every now and then sort of a thing when it's convenient for us, when it kind of lines up with what we enjoy and all that. No, 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 no. At any opportunity, at any moment, we need to be ready to serve. It doesn't mean we have to be constantly serving 24-7, but we darn well better have the attitude and the mentality that we are always at any point at the ready to serve. And I know just for me, There are plenty of moments where my default in thinking about I could serve in a situation is just my brain's off. It's just a no. It's a no. And what Jesus is reminding us here is that we always must be open to the possibility in every setting, wherever we are at any moment in time, it is our ultimate purpose to serve. And we have to be open to what God may be whispering to us, prompting us to do. Because we exist As followers of Jesus, we exist to serve one another and to serve this world. That's what we're here to do. That's our ultimate purpose. 
in this life. And that's crazy. It's crazy. And some of you are thinking, well, that's great. That's a great lofty ideal, and maybe Jesus could do that, but nobody else can do that. How can you possibly do that? We'll get to that in a minute, okay? But just think about the scene and what a powerful reminder that was when Jesus got up from the meal and he washed his disciples' feet. You talk about something that they would never forget. For those who've been coming to Grace for a while, you know that we're not afraid to try new things. We're not afraid to push the envelope. We're not afraid to challenge you. We're not afraid to try and make things memorable around here. Okay, so you're getting ready for a big challenge and you're never going to forget this service, okay? Because what we're going to do is we're actually going to have a little foot washing service right here in this service. The way it's going to work, it's going to happen right at your seat. We've got some damp towels disposable towels for every single person who's here. And in just a second, we have a team that's going to be handing those out to every one of you. And so don't, don't kick your shoes off just yet, okay? I'm, I'm going to explain how this is going to work, okay? I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Some of you, your heart was racing so bad. You're like, oh my gosh, my feet. No, no, no. <laughs> There's like three of you who are so disappointed right now (laughs) that we're not doing that. (laughs) But just imagine with me for a second that we actually would have done that right in the service, that you would have had the opportunity to wash one another's feet, to serve one another in that way. I guarantee you, you never would have forgotten this service. Most of you probably never would have come back. But you never would have forgotten. And you better believe, and this is the point, you better believe that Jesus' disciples never forgot this moment. Their last meal with Jesus, I mean, you talk about a time to pull that one out. It was like Jesus was saying, I'm going to be going. And you better never forget, there's nothing beneath you You are here to serve in every moment, in every situation, in every single opportunity. That's what makes you one of my followers. A couple verses later, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And there are many, many of you in this room, and you totally get this verse because you're living it you understand what a blessing it is to serve. In fact, I have never been a part of a group of people who embody this verse like you guys at this church who serve. It is absolutely amazing. I don't know, well, I do know, because I asked many of you this week, how do you serve week in and week out with the craziness of D.C. and all the stuff going on in life? How do, you, how do you serve with such an amazing attitude? I mean, do you guys notice that when you, you walk in here, if you're, if you're kind of new to grace, or you haven't jumped in and started serving yet? Like, everybody's so happy they're serving and they're so happy. Everybody's got smiles on their faces. You're like, what are they putting in their coffee, man? Like, what are they serving at the hospitality table? I mean, what's going on at this church? It's crazy how joyful everybody seems to be who's serving. And so this week I, I called a number of, uh, of you guys who serve. And, um, and I just asked the question. I said, 
talk to me. Where does that motivation come from? Where, where's the joy? Like, what, what's driving you to serve with such passion and such energy? Where does that come from? And I got a whole different variety of responses back, depending on people's personalities. Some said, I just, I love to be working. You know, I need a task. I need a job. I love to complete something. Others said, I love to be part of a team. It's, it's the people that I'm with, this great team that fires me up. And, uh, you know, just, I, I, I love it. Others, they talked about just, you know, being able to serve other people and see, you know, how we're making a difference in, in their lives. And, you know, there were a variety of different practical reasons why serving Serving's fun here at Grace. But in every single one of those conversations I had this week with those who are serving and serving with just unbelievable joy, there was one thread, there was one thing that was said every single time. Where does that joy come from? Where is that motivation? What's driving you? And every single one said either this exact thing or words so close to it, it was almost dead even. They said, you know what? I'm just giving back. You know what? I am just so blessed in my life. I'm so blessed to be a part of this church. I'm so blessed in all that God has done for me. I am just giving back. Ultimately, I'm serving for God and all that God has done for me. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus is saying in that um, verse we looked at just a minute ago, John 13, 14. It's all about giving back. Check this out. Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. What Jesus is saying there is the reason that you can wash other people's feet is because He has already washed yours. The reason that you can serve with joy, even when it's not that joyful, when it's a fairly menial task or you're tired or it's been a long week or whatever, the reason that you can do that, you can wash those feet, so to speak, is because you've already had your feet washed and you're actually just giving back. And... The deal with that is that ultimately it's not about this mentality or this posture where it's like, okay, yeah, I heard the sermon today and okay, Jesus served. That was what he he gave his whole life to do. So following Jesus means serving. I guess, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do too. So I'm just going to obey that. Okay. If you're doing that, you'll never come alive serving because you're just trying to muster it into all your own strength. And essentially, that's a, that's a gotta obey attitude. I gotta obey, okay? I just, I'm supposed to do this. I'm gonna do this. I gotta obey. Where the joy comes in, where the blessing is, is when you move from gotta obey to I just wanna repay. I just wanna repay God for all that God has done for me. And I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, all that God has done for us. God has created this universe and this world that we live in. All the good things in our lives ultimately are from God. Every blessing, everything we're thankful for, it's ultimately from God. God has given us our very lives. 
And I know this is a stretch for some of you, but what Christianity states, what Jesus stated was that ultimately he came to this earth, God in human flesh, to live the human life so that we could, would never feel like, well, God doesn't understand because Jesus lived it. He knows what it's like to show us how to live, to show us what true greatness looks like. And then ultimately, to die on a cross, and then to be raised, to conquer death, to swallow up all the sin and all the evil and all the terrible stuff in this world. And anything that we've ever done is swallowed up in his loving sacrifice so that just through faith in Jesus, we would be called righteous in the eyes of God. And for those of us who put our faith in him, Jesus promises his spirit, the spirit of the living God, to reside in us, to en enable us and empower us to do things that we cannot do on our own. And so what Jesus is saying, because I've washed your feet, because of all that I've done for you, you can go wash other people's feet and you'll be blessed if you do it. Now, um, we're going to let you guys out a couple of minutes early this morning, and the reason is, is because I, I want to give you a practical opportunity to take what we've been talking about in this message and to do something about it. I really don't enjoy giving a sermon if I can't have some practical application that I can give you. So this opportunity isn't going to be for everybody, but I just want to remind you, and if you came in late, um, I want you to refer to, to your bulletin on some different opportunities that there are for, for serving here at Grace. We've spotlighted our, our student ministries, middle school and high school. We've spotlighted our Graceland ministries that go all, all the way from um, nursery all the way up through sixth grade. And um, not saying everybody's got to serve this way, okay? There's many different ways that we can serve. But if you feel God tugging on your heart and you happen to like children and youth, then maybe this is a great opportunity for you to take a next step. Now, for some of you, you actually like interacting with them, and others of you, you like them, but just at a distance, and if you like them just at a distance, then you want to turn the sheet over to the backside and look at those behind-the-scenes kind of support roles because you know you want kids to do well and you want to support what's going on here with our over 200 uh, students and, and young people that are here at Grace. So I want to encourage you. There's just many of you, and you, you know you're a kid person at heart, and you're like, the only thing is I don't know a lot of the Bible and I don't, know how answer, I don't know how I'd answer that question and what would that look like. And don't worry about any of that. If you just feel any sort of a sense of a prompting, then just as you walk out the doors, you'll see the blue tents and the tables. Just stop by. There's, it doesn't commit you to the rest of your life for serving. Just, it just invites a conversation where you can check it out, where you can shadow somebody and see if you might enjoy it or you might be totally terrified and run away screaming and never come back. All right? So I want to encourage you. There's tons of opportunities, uh, not just within uh, children and youth-related stuff, but there's also tons of stuff on the serve page of our website at trygrace.org. Um, and for others of you, you're already serving here. You, you know, you're already plugged in. And what I just want to remind you is that really the application, the challenge for this message is that we go far beyond just Sunday. 
and that we take a posture that we always have that serving towel on like Jesus did. That, that towel never leaves our arm. That it's about a lifestyle. It's to follow Jesus is ultimately to serve others and to serve this world. So um, we're going to dismiss a couple minutes early so we have time if you guys want to stop by and check out those service opportunities. Um, and let me, let me pray for you and we'll dismiss. God, we want to thank you for um, just this time this morning. Uh, God, we all long to be part of something great. You've wired that in us. We thank you for what a great reminder that you gave us, Jesus, that true greatness is not how the world measures it, but true greatness is defined by service and humility. Lord, help us all. There are a number of us who are here this morning, and um, you know we're still trying to get a feel for this church and uh, maybe a feel for this area. We've been coming for a while, haven't really found our niche, or, or just quite honestly, we just don't feel like service is our thing. God, uh, if you really are serious that service is essential to what it means to follow Jesus, then we know we need to do something. For those of us uh, who feel some tug, some prompting, some something, uh, let us have the courage to not pass those tables by this morning, but to act on it, to at least be open to having a conversation and praying about what you might want to do, a, a, a step into serving, if this really is the posture of a follower of Jesus. For others of us, God, uh, we've been serving, and, uh, and you know that maybe the point of this sermon for us is, is just to be able to kind of get our attitude and our motivation checked. Because we've been serving, but, but more maybe in a gotta obey than in a wanna repay. And so just help us to have that great spirit and attitude of remembering all that you've done for us. That we could truly reignite that joy that it is to serve. We would experience the blessing of serving. And uh, Lord, just for everybody here, help us to remember that that servant's towel never leaves our arm. That in every situation, every circumstance, that we at least must be open to the possibility of serving in every moment. We Just help us to stay open to that and willing, and by your spirit, empower us in those moments where we don't, we don't feel like it, but we know that you want us to. We thank you for calling us to great things. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.